0: Oh boy! Oh, a rare, a bloody steak. If I, if I had a steak, I would fuck it. You don't like me cooking? Oh, don't be such an old bitch. You're drunk. You don't know what you're talking. How can I possibly like the horse shit? You fix us for supper. You're drunk. I, you won't be saying that in the kitchen shanty. No, it was drunk. fine going on. three You're times drunk. a day. You're Country drunk. hand bigger You're than drunk. your drunk. Folk. I'm drunk. I'm I am me. you drunk. Damn ye. Drunk since I first laid eyes on you.
1: Very often, I have the atmosphere of the film in my head before I have the story. There's something about black and white. That was going to make this crusty dusty world really come to life and bring the story to a new level i'm damn well wedded to this here light the choice of black and white
2: and aspect ratio informed everything that we did i said
1: i really like to be as authentic to the period as I can. Every building that you see in the film was made for the film. We built a 70-foot lighthouse tower and the Keeper's Cottage. Clean, built, and trig-looking. Action! We shot in a very beautiful area in Nova Scotia. <laughs> it was either
0: raining or had a rain machine on for three months. <laughs> well, I respect them to get up to see the lantern. I can't do Set. it was so particular you could stand there and know exactly what the world you're in robert is so meticulous about design the visual language was very
2: specific it's all integrated you can't separate the characters from the location
1: all of these details are cumulative you have a richness and a believability to transport the audience into this world
3: there's enchantment in the light. Hello. The Welcome house. to the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. It's hard to believe that it's been three years since The Lighthouse was released. Um, and in that time, Robert Eggers has made The North Man and is making Nosferatu. So... God, this this film just... First of all, I saw it by myself because my friends thought it was scary. It was really just a psychological thriller. It was filmed in Nova Scotia. It was nominated for Best Cinematography at the Academy Awards, the only nomination it received. Many commentators named it one of the best films of 2019. It is considered a modern cult classic, yeah? Robert Eggers, Max Eggers, who wrote it. Robert Eggers directed it. William Defoe, Wilhelm Defoe, and Robert Pattinson. God, this film is just—it's Robert Eggers is, if you if you look at the films that he's made before, he made The Witch, and um, you know, just a, an intriguing filmmaker intriguing and his take on folklore and imagery and darkness and personalities and uh, these different sea changes to characters I mean the lighthouse at first you're like okay what's going on here and then then it, it just unravels and I was talking about it over the weekend and my love of Robert Eggers filmmaking I mean it's just, and, and first and foremost, it's about that beautiful cinematography. He knows how to bring that out of his cinematographer. And whether it's The Witch or uh, The Lighthouse or The Northman. I'm looking forward to Nos- Nosferatu. Because I've seen the original Nosferatu. Of course, I've seen um, Shadow of the Vampire. Which is basically the making of Nosferatu and W.F. Murnau and F.W. Murnau, I'm sorry. And and just the mysteriousness behind that whole film. But the way I work really well for the Dr. Zix Film Podcast is by giving you clips. And the weather here right now is just... It's, it's not raining but it is or it will and we have a lunar eclipse coming but we have the lighthouse Along,
0: too far downstream and I I want to do him in I admit I did seeing the back of his head. One swipe of the card hook would be all. Uh, It was. I I didn't. I didn't, I did not. The the day was long as hell on that drive and I was lead tired, I admit it, but I saw him slipping, not me. He saw the jam coming, and the, I stood, and he slipped. He shouted up, and I I just stood there. Tom, you dog! I just stood there, it's all just. Just. How long have we been on this rock? Five weeks. Two days. Where are we? Help me to recollect. Who are you again, Tommy? I'm probably a figment of your imagination. This rock is a figment of your imagination, too. You're probably wandering through a grove of Tygolders up north in Canada, like a frost Maniac talking to yourself. Need even slow. You smoke
3: In that aspect, they're drinking kerosene, and they're going ape shit.
4: The Elk Grove
3: So yes, they drink kerosene. They go ape shit. They dance with each other. <laughs> but what really gets me is the sounds, the atmospheric, eerie sounds. Of the lighthouse, the lighthouse so is so good. You can feel the rain, you can you can smell the sea air, and you can feel those seagulls watching you, and they watch him. <sighs> and um, yeah, it's such a hi. How are you? Crazy feeling. Great pleasure to be
2: here. It's a real joy to have you as well. So uh, I, I, obviously we want to hear this thing, in, in just a second though, but I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. This is a radio show. Can you describe what it looks like? Well, for people that are familiar with uh, a harmonium, which is
4: sort of an Indian organ, um, it's basically a, a box. Yeah. And this
3: is the composer of The Lighthouse, Mark Corvin, and how he created that it's sound. Really
4: a collection of different instruments, different sounds that I've been attracted to over the years and wow. I've experimented with. We found a way to put it inside one box.
2: Yeah, I see. We were just talking before. I see sort of two necks that look like they could be ukulele necks or like electric guitar or mandolin necks. I see an ebo sort of for for playing that that's for playing a string without having to actually pluck the string, right? That's right.
4: It's basically an
2: electronic magnet and i see something that looks like a hurdy-gurdy like the wheel of a hurdy-gurdy on one side as well that's right am i on to something here totally and on the side i see all the comments from all the things that is that that's all the the little sayings on the side are comments on on videos my my favorite comments from youtube yes (laughs) can you tell me about the moment you came up with this
4: instrument in your mind well i was um slated to give a master class actually at the glenn gould theater in a couple of weeks and i thought well wouldn't it be great to actually show off an instrument so i did a sort of a homer simpson quality sketch of what i wanted (laughs) handed it off to my good friend tony Duggan smith who built it for me it arrived the morning of the master class so i pulled it out in front of the audience and I ha- hadn't really even played it before so it was pretty crazy of me to do that. And you've since used it, right? You've since used it in your scoring? I use it in my scoring uh, on occasion. Uh, mostly I use it for performing live. I've been doing sort of small uh, dates throughout, throughout the world.
2: Uh, so it's, it's taken me places. It's been a lot of fun. Can we, can we hear something? Um, uh, give me an example of the kind of sound that this thing can make that you that you love. Sure, should I give you uh, like individual sounds and tell you what? Sure. Tell you what we're hearing? Yeah. Sure, sure. So those are, I should point out for people listening to this, that's actual metal rulers, like the kind you'd use in school, that you bowed with what looks like a cello or a violin bow. It's actually a nickel-harpa bow, but yes. And you, you're, you're manipulating those sounds through a, kind of a wall of electronics there. All right, what else, what else do we got? I'm, I'm excited to hear some more stuff.
4: Sure. Okay, this, um, this is a, basically a, a really primitive hurdy uh, Hurdy-gurdy. Um. <sighs> It's really primitive. I like it because I can, I can, oh, do sort of squeaky wheels and stuff, sort of like this.
2: Hurdy gurdy, I should mention, is, is is a folk instrument. Often, you know, you it's kind of it sounds it can sound like a bagpipe. It's used it's a lot in a lot of French music and a lot of European music. And you and you roll a wheel and then you put your hands over it to get to to, um, to make notes. I've never seen it used like that. I've never terrified me the way it did
3: just then. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what I was looking for was was really a,
4: a primitive, primordial sound. What I'm doing, where you can really hear the fingers on the on the instrument. Okay, do so you got one more for us? Sure, I got a few things. Okay, um, this is uh, an EBO on on a single string, and it sounds like this. Whoa.
2: So, again, an e is a, is, a, is a, sort of an, uh, an electronic um, um, accessory that you play onto a string, and it treats the, the uh, like a, a string like a violin. and It bows it. That is like a, a nonstop sound. That is amazing what you just did there. Cool, cool. I can show you some other stuff, too. Show me some other stuff. I'm I mean, You're not getting out of here anytime soon, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. We're just terrifying the Canadian public together. This is great.
4: All right. <laughs> so this is a spring reverb from a guitar amplifier. Okay. Um, sometimes while I'm performing, I'll give it a Bang. <laughs> Also sometimes I'll play with the ebo. And then we also have a clock spring. Okay. That sometimes I bow or just. When you play that really loud, it sounds like a just this huge explosion. And then I have uh, a rod. A rod.
2: That sometimes I'll play with the bow. Okay. It kind of looks like a car antenna bouncing yeah. up and down. I actually don't know what it is.
4: I'll, I'll go, how can I make a sound that I've never made before? And, and it's so tactile. It's, you, you just move your fingers in a certain way to create a new sound that
2: you've never heard before. And maybe this is like the old folky in me here, but I love how analog it is. Like, are these instrument, these sounds? This incredible machine that makes incredibly scary sounds called the Apprehension Engine. So, you grew up in Alberta? No, actually, I grew up in uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Manitoba. That's right, Winterpeg. That yes, I call it that, right? So, w- w- were you always interested in in uh, experimental sound, in, in in this kind of thing, experimental composition? Not really. I was more of a straight-ahead rock
4: and roller who got involved in jazz, um, you know, progressive, progressive rock. I was a singer-songwriter for, for many years. Um, and then once I started scoring films, uh, at that point I started uh, doing more
2: experimental stuff. It, was it about being like... Um, did, did you enjoy particularly the scoring, uh, like being able to be scary and, and do horror kind of scoring? Oh, who doesn't? It's... Um, it's It's basically you have
4: almost carte blanche to do whatever you want sonically, and the weirder you can be,
2: uh, the more you're rewarded for it and And that's really fantastic. So let's talk about this new film, The Lighthouse. Is the apprehension engine been used in the scoring of the lighthouse? A, a little bit in it. I yeah, just accents now and then. but the the lighthouse score is primarily a brass score. So when I was watching the film, and I should point out that um, uh the, the, the film is starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson. If you haven't seen it, they're on this kind of rocky island. They're in very, very close quarters. And it's, sometimes not a lot is happening. They're just kind of sitting down, eating dinner. They're staring at one another. And the music itself is, is, is the source of a lot of the tension. What, what, what was the feeling you were going after in the music for that film? We were looking for a very primordial
4: sound, which really depicted the the elements in this story. the story. The, the the waves, the surf the wind, the creaking of this of this old building. We, we were trying to find another layer to express that. Uh, um, Rob and I deliberately, we wanted to stay away from anything that would be at all considered period music or conventional film music. We really wanted to get to the, the heart of this savage environment that
2: they, these men were trapped in. And how manipulative, and I know that's maybe a bit of a loaded word, can you be with music in this case? Are you able to watch a film and kind of go like, I know, I want them to jump right here, so I'm going to play this note right here. Or I want them to be stressed out, so I'm going to play this note right here. Well, th- that's a very good question. Um, some,
4: sometimes you're you're called on to be very mani- manipulative. Um, when I'm working with Rob Eggers, it's it's more about the m- general mood and, and atmosphere. So there's not a lot of manipulation it's it's more about music as another
2: character in in the story i would say if you're just uh, tuning in i'm speaking with mark corvin so we've been talking about your work on the lighthouse but you scored dozens of other films and tv shows including the horror film from 97 cube the twilight zone and the witch um i, I this, is it important to you that you find a sound that's certainly scary and, and perhaps a bit off-putting but it's also original to you well, I think that's what it's all about for me is is looking for those original sounds that that no one has has heard before because you know if you're not doing that what's 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 the point? And how is the, how is the state of horror movie scoring right now? Like do you, is, is there a lot of analog instruments like this still happening? I think it's it's changing. Um
4: over over the last uh over the last 10 years it, Musicians have gotten gotten a lot more experimental and all the time I hear of horror film composers that are starting to dabble with acoustic instruments and and bring it into their their scores so it's it's very refreshing because horror horror uh, scoring and horror films they're just so fraught with cliches.
2: Um, and it's nice to see people wanting to stretch beyond that. I wouldn't be surprised if you start getting phone calls for people who want to buy that thing off you and use it themselves. Well, actually, uh, my friend Tony has already sold quite a few. (laughs) There's a couple of apprehension engines going around. Uh, there's about 12 going around right now, yes. Are we more scared by things we know or things we don't know when it comes to music? What made your last keeper leave? Died. Mad he did.
1: I ain't trying for trouble. Then you do as I say. No one works harder than
3: Rob.
1: He's a very good physical performer. Many of his activities rival Buster Keaton.
0: I'll drop you down a few feet. Easy! Quit your flailing, lad! I ain't!
2: Keep still! I am! When there's only two actors and you're dependent on each other. you are just trying to scare me. we are kind of joined at the hip. This ain't funny.
0: No links. And I ain't one to be stranded here with some damn lunity.
1: <laughs> Rob is a very generous performer. You always care about the characters that Rob plays. No certain scenes, you know, I just could not wait to do. What?
0: What? What 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 just felt like you were running up to a cliff and then just jumping off there?
2: Pretty
0: much every single. Now look here, I never intended to be no housewife, no slave and taking this job. I got it all figured out. So what's the secret of this? How else am I gonna find
2: respectable work? Okay, Fitbit. Looks like I'm ready to hit
3: and that's the behind the scenes which is very intriguing because it's shot in color but the film that we saw the finished product is in black and white and it adds more depth and adds more atmospherics to the story and to the narrative and I mean I wish I could do a whole series and maybe I could on the films of Robert Eggers and just these these interesting moments within the film um he is a very interesting filmmaker and it's just oh my god it's just wild it's wild and those those are the good films i mean the northman is wild you know and and that's the uh, testament to uh robert eggers If I could find them. There's enchantment in the light.
1: Cannivision and said, what do you have that's off the menu that I...
3: And I'm looking for... Is it this? I
1: mean, just... Anytime you have
2: some back... Very detailed... That Rob made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you guys had... I, I believe I read there was a week that you kind of rehearsed things and... and
3: I'm looking for it. I mean, there's so much going on in the lighthouse. And uh, it is psychological. It's psychological. Um, I have a physical copy of the movie, I have a digital copy. <laughs> So it's, it's funny you know we live in an era where it's like yeah but do you have the, the physical copy yeah oh yeah uh, there's a behind the scenes that in terms of people ask what is the film about um okay here we go I think this is what I was looking for is this it <laughs> Yes.
2: Everything sort of falls
1: apart as our character falls apart. There's something about black and white that was going to make this crusty, dusty world really come to life and bring the story to a new level. This film was hard to photograph because of the black and white negative. It requires a lot more light. There's scenes where there's one lamp on the table illuminating them, but that had like a light bulb in it that was blindingly bright so that we would get exposure. <laughs> <laughs> shoot black and white that has a very peculiar
2: look it's a fingerprint that we knew it wanted to feel like from some other time you wanted to feel like something that was unearthed to evoke this time one thing that would really help is this orthochromatic look the film would see blue and green and ultraviolet and that's it so your skin tones get really dark and any fluctuation would be very pronounced you know like blemishes any little blood vessels whatever get really dark blue eyes kind of can get eerie like Willem's eyes. It's just a distinct look and I haven't seen it on films after the silent era really.
4: We made basically everything from the skin out. We made all of the union suits in multiples. The sweaters were hand knit. They were modeled on photographic research that we had. If you're not using color to denote or to vary or to intensify scenes, then
1: texture becomes very important. Contrast becomes very important. Sound design is important to every film, but this had some unique challenges. It's a great collaboration with with Mark Corvin, the composer, and Damien Volpe, the sound designer. things that Mark did that many people would say uh, is sound design and some things that Damien did that some people might say were music. All of these details are cumulative. You have a richness and a believability to transport the audience into this world.
0: It's so hard to find stuff that really feels original and like this is just one of those really special things where I'm so glad I did it.
2: This film is a living thing. Every film has its own identity. And this one, it's so grounded in uh, Robert Edwards, really. There's something really beautiful about his filmmaking. He's
0: a
1: real talent. I have an atmosphere, I have a world that I want to inhabit, and I start going in there. Getting off this goddamn rock. And as I like to say, nothing good happens when two men are trapped alone in a giant phallus.
3: That's what I was looking for. That really describes the Lighthouse. Two men stuck inside a giant phallus, which they are. Which they are. And a lot of people ask about it. I know people who have never seen the film. They were too scared to see it. That's fine. For me, though, I feel he has gotten bigger with the Northman. And some saw the Northman as a flop, Artistically, it is gorgeous. It is gorgeous. So during these cloudy weeks and rain, I encourage you all, my listeners of the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, to watch The North Man, The Witch, The Lighthouse, and immerse yourself in the art and uh, cinematic world of Robert Eggers. I believe he is a New Hampshire native. Um, the amazing almies of shit happens when you party naked Um, know all too well about Robert Eggers, I think we've talked about Robert Eggers at length and um, that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast I mean, we're in I love the rain and I love when it's like this, I still go outside and get caught in the rain and you know, I haven't gotten sick yet, but because as a filmmaker myself, I understand the atmospherics. I photograph the sky, and it's like, and you think, okay, it's not going to rain, but it looks like it's going to rain, and how spooky the sky looks. But at the same time, it looks very calm and still. So, as always, unpleasant dreams.